from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 132 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo with Ryan Dunleavy. And, of course, the Giants fell to the Jacksonville Jaguars 20-15 to on Sunday in the season opener and what was a pretty entertaining game up until the end. We're going to break it all down, give you our key takeaways. But first, of course, if you love what you hear, please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Speaker, Stritcher, and all the other major podcast platforms like Google Play and YouTube and give us a five-star review. It really helps grow the show. Ryan, before we jump into it, what was your one big picture takeaway from Sunday's game? Uh, That the offensive line is rebuilt, but maybe not improved. Uh, I just think that it's something I've been saying all season. No one's been on the right tackle as much as I have. I just thought they should have picked one in the fourth round of the draft. They should thought they should have picked one in the fifth round of the draft. I thought they should have signed another one in free agency. I thought they should have signed another one off waivers. They should have pushed Eric flowers more, even if not unseated him with a new starter, they should have at least brought in somebody who was nipping at his heels so that in the situation where the first game was a disaster, they had somebody they could really turn to in game two And sure enough, the first play of the season was a disaster. And now they really, in my opinion, don't have anywhere to turn. Yep. No, I agree with you there. And I look at this and they didn't do nearly enough to push or even replace Eric Flowers. And now they're going to have to scramble because you look at what's coming up in the next few weeks. You got through Kalias Campbell and ultimately Flowers performance played a key role in the Giants losing that game. But you look at what they have upcoming as far as opposing defensive ends. DeMarcus Lawrence, one of the top two or three defensive ends in the league against the Cowboys on Sunday. You know the Houston Texans are going to plant J.J. Watt directly opposite Eric Flowers, and it doesn't get any easier in week three with Cameron Jordan of the New Orleans Saints. So this is going to be an ongoing issue and a going concern for the Giants. I think, Ryan, that you need to bring in, and I know that you're looking at lottery tickets at this point, but you need to bring in every potential offensive tackle who's on the street, parade them in for workouts on Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday at Quest Diagnostics Training Center. And I, I don't know if that means you sign a guy just as a backup. I don't know if you give Chad Wheeler some first team reps. I don't know what you need to do, but it just simply wasn't good enough from Eric Flowers on Sunday. And it's not going to be good enough unless he improves. Yeah, I uh, like you said, they're lottery tickets, though, at this point. The answer was to sign Cameron Fleming as a free agent instead of Jonathan Stewart, or the answer was to draft. Uh, one of the nine offensive Crosby would have been a nice one to have at some point. There were nine offensive tackles drafted after the giants picked Kyle Laletta. So that's nine guys. The giants could have picked in the fourth or fifth rounds that they didn't pick. Uh, and let's be clear here. Their fifth round pick hasn't even practiced yet. So it's basically like they forfeited their fifth round pick in addition to trading away their sixth and seventh round picks. So, um, Yes, the answer was to sign Fleming or draft the guy there. Even last weekend, they could have claimed uh, TJ Clemming off of waivers from the Redskins, a guy who was with the Vikings and Pat Shermer. So Shermer knows him. So Shermer clearly didn't feel strongly about him. But the Raiders claimed him off waivers. So somebody felt strongly about him. Uh, you got to wonder if, oh, that looks pretty good right now to Shermer. So, uh, yes, you're right. They're lo- bring in every guy who's ever played offensive tackle in the history of football. 
But again, to me, if they're a free agent right now, then they're a free agent for a reason. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So you're not going to get a long-term solution there. But I, I don't know. You might have been better playing right tackle on Sunday afternoon. You look at the start, two penalties. Including I, I ate a lot of food in the press box. My my left, my left lateral movement would not have been good. Your center of gravity is right where it needs to be, though. It's nice yeah. and low, so it'll work out well for you. But you yeah. look at that first drive, and I talked to every member of the offensive line except for Eric Flowers, who blew me off in the locker room. Um, but they all said that it would have been easy to let that first drive snowball, and it was a disaster. You look at the two penalties on Flowers, the hold and the trip, And then later on in the first half, uh, Flowers gives up a sack to McCree. So just not a good day all around for Flowers. And I think that that kind of leads into my big picture takeaway, Ryan. And it's similar to yours. Pat Shermer talked a lot during training camp about how this team is only going to go as far as the offensive line can block for it. Well, yesterday against arguably the premier collection of young defensive talent, the number two ranked defense in the league from a year ago, the Jaguars are probably the best defense the Giants are going to face all season. Season, the Giants still managed 324 yards of total offense. Saquon Barkley still eclipsed 100 yards rushing, and they still were able to be in the game until the fourth quarter. So to me, my biggest takeaway is the big play potential is there. The weapons are there. Beckham looks as good as ever. Barkley looks like his big play ability from college translates to the NFL. But whether it's flowers, whether it's just more time for this group to come together, this offensive line has the chance to really hold the Giants back. Yeah, I, uh, you said it made a good point. I, you said they might not face another bet. It's really interesting for a season opener. The Giants might not face a better defense all season, and they might not face a worse offense all season. So it's hard to make such definitive statements after a season opener. Like, is the offensive line going to really be that bad? Or was that, well, the Jaguars are so good is the Giants defense, which I thought played really, really well. I mean, they allowed take away the touchdown Eli Manning gave them and uh, they allowed 13 points. They forced seven punts in the second half on seven drives. They only allowed four first downs in the second half. Uh, The Giants defense played really, really well. But is that the Giants defense or is that a Jaguars offense that doesn't have Marquise Lee and played the second half without Leonard Fournette? And as a bunch of guys know, like uh, average NFL fan could even name as far as their play. I was thinking about this on the way home. Sterling Shepard is probably the Giants, what, fourth playmaker? Beckham, Barkley, Ingram, Ingram. Shepard. Yeah, he'd be the best wide receiver on the Uh, Jaguars roster. Not even close. He'd be their best, not just wide receiver, tight end, uh, running back without Fournette. He would have been the best player on the Jaguars by far yesterday. Yep. I think the defense played very well. You look at the numbers for Blake Bortles, 18 to 33, 176. Kareem Martin and Kerry Wynn combined for a sack. They gave up a touchdown. Uh, And of course, the Janoris Jenkins interception was one of the more athletic defensive plays I've seen in a while to make that catch along the sideline and then get both heels, not both toes, both heels inbounds before falling out of bounds. Uh, Great play by Jenkins there. Uh, You have to put a little bit of an asterisk next to the performance because as you said, Leonard Fournette did go out uh, relatively early in the game with a hamstring injury. And at that point, he was still averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And there was that ugly breakdown on the Blake Bortles scramble for 41 yards. Yeah, uh, I agree. That was they kind of got caught out of position there. But really, again, in the second half, they allowed 121 yards. 41 of those were on that uh, Blake 
border scramble where I think Landon Collins got caught a little out of position. But I liked a lot of things they did on defense. I liked they played a lot of one high safety with Collins up in the box. I don't know if that'll be regular or if that was just because Jag- the Jaguars are so run focused that you basically play Collins as a linebacker. But I really liked that uh, they were flexible enough to play to Collins strengths and Collins strength is being in the box and helping stop the run. I thought uh, I liked what they did there. They did some u- unusual things with the fronts where they had yep. Bar- Barwin and uh, Kareem Martin as like defensive ends with no real defensive tackles, just like a bunch of linebackers and safety. A NASCAR package. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. that's kind of what I think the old NASCAR package for the Giants used to be like four defensive ends where they had like Justin Tuck moved to the inside. This was almost the opposite of the NASCAR package. Like the, let's call it the Grand Prix package or something where they took all the, instead of having all defensive ends, they had no defensive ends. It was just like linebackers everywhere. So yeah, I I liked a lot of the things they did on defense and real quick, I think, you know, we, we've criticized these Eli Apple quite a bit Uh, last season in uh, after the joint practices, I thought Eli Apple had probably the best game of his three year career. Uh, I don't know if it's a sign of things to come, but if it is, if Eli Apple's going to play like a first round pick and that's what I thought he played like yesterday, he he played like a first round pick. If he's going to play like a first round pick with pro bowlers, Jenkins and Collins in the secondary, then the secondary instantly goes from big question mark to team strengths. Yeah, two pass breakups, three tackles for Eli Apple yesterday. Really nice game. I thought he played well. I thought the secondary acquitted itself really nicely. I mean, the longest pass of the game was a 31-yard pass to Keenan Cole. It only happened once. Everything else was 20 yards or under. That was one of my worries going in. How many X plays would they give up? How many chunk plays would they give up? Part of that, I think, is Blake Bortles and the lack of wide receiver talent. Part of that is, as you pointed out, Eli Apple stepped up and had a really nice game. And I think that those multiple fronts and especially moving Collins up near the box and that money backer role, those are going to be kind of the hallmarks of James Betcher's system. It's a lot of what he did in Arizona where they disguised their coverages, did a lot of run stunts up front. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a new wrinkle to a Giants defense that needed that after the lackluster performance of a year ago. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I think there's a lot for the defense to take away from that game. I, the Giants... It's a weird locker room. Like they, they sat like a lot of guys are obviously as disappointed as you would expect after a loss. But when the guys who spoke sounded really upbeat about, you know, the potential, it's, it sounded like a team who's like, Oh, we're right there, et cetera, et cetera, which is probably what you don't want. You don't want them. You know, you're on extra alert. If you're a giants fan or a giants reporter after the way last season spiraled out of control after a bad start to see if this starts compounding or whatnot. And the guys who spoke seemed to think that this was a different type of loss, uh, an encouraging loss, so to speak. So I I seem to agree with that take there, Ryan. Again, both of us picked the Giants to lose the game. Full disclosure. We both thought that the Jaguars were better. A lot of people did. Hey, hey. 20, I picked 21-14. The final score go. was the final score was 20 to 15. You don't get Atta much boy. closer. You don't get much closer than that. I'm Atta sorry. I had a boy. I had, I had 26 to 20, but you were much better there. Uh, you know, helmet yeah. sticker to you. Um, yeah. But some things to really like. They average five yards per carry, and I know that a lot of that is helped by the 68-yard touchdown run by Saquon Barkley, where he basically made three people miss behind the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and then it was off to the races. Uh, so you average five yards per carry. Eli Manning in the passing game. 
game uh, against a really good secondary and a really good front seven. I thought he missed some opportunities to Odell Beckham Jr. down the field that might have been able to turn the tide of the game. But 23-37, 224, um, and he did have that tip ball interception. But I think that's more on Patrick Omame for missing a block and letting the guy in there. But let me ask you this, Ryan, because this is something I noticed. I didn't think that Eli Manning looked all that comfortable with the little screen passes and dump offs to Saquon Barkley. I thought he looked much better with the passes over the middle of the field between the hash marks, even going to the sideline than he did on those dump passes to Barkley, uh, either in the backfield or near the line of scrimmage. And one of them was tipped and intercepted for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's something he's used to. I don't think it's something he's familiar with. And that's, uh, Look, you don't play your players in the preseason because the injury risk is just too serious. We all get that. But that's one of the reasons that sports writers made such a big deal about Barkley not playing much in the preseason, about Manning sitting out two preseason games is you can do it in practice, but it's different when everybody knows what's coming and whatnot versus when everybody's given 100 percent on the defense in the in the regular season and Manning has never been a great screens thrower. He's that's, you know, he's more of a play action, throw it deep, throw it, you know, intermediate. Uh, right. And uh, he, you're right. I don't, I agree with you. I don't think he looked super comfortable on that, which is, you know, alarming because that's a lot of what Pat Shermer's offense is. It's designed for, you know, a 70% completion percentage. Uh, and Manning is even when we've asked Eli about, you know, oh, what do you think of your completion percentage will be? And what do you think of this offense? Manning every single time is quick dad, but I still think you got to take shots down the field because right. that's what he wants to do. And, and Saquon Barkley, that's kind of the hallmark of his skill set. As much as he's an electrifying runner and a home run threat like we saw on Sunday, it's what he brings you in the passing game on the wheel routes and the screen passes. He averaged 11 and a half yards per, per catch at Penn State. You look at him yesterday, six targets, only two catches, 22 yards, averaged 11 yards per catch. So uh, right on par against the best defense in the NFL. And we gave you the helmet sticker a couple moments ago, Ryan. We talked about on the Friday pregame pod that what would be a successful debut for Saquon Barkley would be 130 yards of total offense and a touchdown. And sure enough, 16 for 106 on the ground with a touchdown, 22 receiving yards. He wound up with 128 all-purpose yards against the Jaguars. I I, I think you check the box for a successful debut for the young rookie. Yeah, and a good prediction by you. Uh, Real quick, can we agree on this, Matt? If Saquon Barkley is only going to get 20 yards poor uh, game receiving then you're not you you're not utilizing him right and he it's he's not the back we thought he, I and mean, that's what makes Saquon Barkley special is his Correct. receiving ability so if Correct. you're not using him as a receiver then you're not using him to the best of his ability Correct and and I think that that's something and that you when you look at him. Pat Shermer you picked him number 2 because of all of those things because he, he separates yes, himself he's as not a receiver the number 2 pick because of he's such a dynamic running back Correct he's, because he's an all-around, all-purpose guy. Correct. And again, when you can average 11.7 yards per carry in the Big Ten over three years, that goes to show you as a running back what you're capable of in the passing game in space. And we saw that last year with Joe Moorhead when they would move him into the slot and they would you know, move him around in the backfield to try to hide him, to get him the ball in the passing game in space. And I thought up until about the fourth quarter when they had to throw because they were behind Ryan, uh, he was only targeted two times in the passing game through the first three quarters. 
numbers. Yeah. And that's one of those areas where I think when Pat Shermer and Mike Shula go and watch the tape and relook at their game plan, you might need to say to yourself, hey, this kid, we need to get him the ball in space, especially if the offensive line is struggling at the line of scrimmage, getting pushed back, not opening running lanes. Getting Barkley the ball in space is where he has a chance to turn the tide of the game for you. And they didn't do a good enough job of that until far too late on Sunday on Sunday afternoon, in my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the overthrows to Beckham. Uh, I There were two times Beckham was behind the defense in the end zone, and both times Manning overthrew him. And to me... Those are that's the game right there. You hit one of those and you pro and you win the game. Uh, but everything comes full circle. I think Eli Manning had a little bit of whiplash in that game. He only allowed two sacks. That's a credit. The Giants only allowed two sacks. That's a credit to Eli Manning contorting his body, dumping the ball just as he got dragged to the ground. He was knocked down a zillion yep. times. So uh, I think those two overthrows to Beckham where he had the offensive line being pushed back in his face and maybe he let the ball go a second quicker than he wanted to. And I thought Odell Beckham Jr. looked just as explosive, just as athletic as ever, maybe even more so. Uh, going up primarily against Jalen Ramsey, but they did move Ramsey around. He didn't follow Beckham. He didn't travel quite as often as we thought that he might going into the game. Uh, 15 targets for Odell Beckham. Two of them were the overthrows from Eli. 11 catches, 111 yards, 10.1 yards per catch. And he had that big 24-yard reception that really helped the Giants from a field position standpoint. Uh, I think that Beckham should be encouraged by what happened on Sunday, and I think the Giants should be really optimistic about what he was able to do against this defense. I agree, and it's great if you have Beckham as in your PPR fantasy league, because 11 catches is really nice, but to me, that's more of a, and again, let's not make too much of this, because this is a great defense, but to me, that's more of a Sterling Shepard uh, that's more of a Sterling Shepard kind of game to have those uh, underneath throws and let him catch and run. I, if I'm the Giants, if I'm the Giants play caller, I'm looking to hit Beckham on those deep balls that were missed. Yep. I, I, I love the idea that he had 11 catches for 100 yards or whatever, and he was so involved in the game after his first game off ankle injury. But to me, Odell Beckham needs to get 20 or 30 yard gains. He doesn't need eight or nine yard gains. I again, he's reliable. He has great hands. I, I appreciate it. Move the chains, etc. But to me, that's what you have Sh Shepard and Ingram for. Beckham is to stretch, stretch the field. I, I would like to see the Giants take more shots. Yeah, at some point, you need to connect on a 40 or 50 yard bomb right. because then all of a sudden the safety has to respect the deep threat ability, just like we saw. That's after what the makes Saquon Beckham run. Beckham. Yeah, taking the top off the defense. I yeah. agree. And I thought that once Barkley had that big run, you started to see the safeties creep up closer to the line of scrimmage to respect the running game. It works hand in hand, but I think that you need to connect on one of those deep balls, and they, they tried them on Sunday. Again, there were at least two, maybe three, deep down the field that Eli either overthrew Beckham in the end zone, underthrew him by a little bit, but you need to connect on those big plays because that's going to have a trickle-down effect on the rest of your offense. Yeah, and that's and like I said, I I'm not against those short routes, and you certainly mix Beckham into those to get him in the rhythm of a game. But I like Shepard as that guy uh, in that for Giants fans that Victor Cruz role where you throw him the ball and you let the fast guy run basically. And and Ryan, when you look at at uh, Pat Shermer's offense. 
this is what it is. It's a lot of nine yard out routes. It's a lot of 12 yard, you know, shallow crossers. It's not a lot of deep shots down the field, as you alluded to earlier, because you're looking for the quarterback to have that high completion percentage. You're looking to move the chains. You're not looking for a penthouse or outhouse type of a moment. We'll see if that changes, particularly next week against the Cowboys defense. that's really vulnerable in the secondary. Maybe you take your shots there, but I agree with you. If you have back, come on the field, you got to utilize them. It's just like Saquon Barkley as a receiver. You have to use that skill set because now all of a sudden you're limiting what your weapons are able to do on offense. Yeah. Now, look, we could have a very different podcast next week because I don't think the Cowboys are nearly at the level of the Jaguars. So everything we're everything we're saying right now, both offense and defense is, for lack of a better term, on steroids because like I said earlier, we saw probably the best defense the Giants are going to face, and we saw probably the worst offense they're going to face. So, Yeah, I think that – and we're going to really dive into next Sunday's game against the Cowboys later on in the week when we preview week two. But I think this is a very winnable game for the Giants coming up, and I think that it, although it's a division game, although it's on the road and in prime time, I think it's a nice bounce-back opportunity for a group that – had all of their weaknesses exposed on film. And and we saw this a lot in the college game this weekend. Teams that get exposed in week one with solid coaching staffs go back into the film room, go back onto the practice field, you make your corrections. Now, whether or not Eric Flowers is fixable, whether or not you can fix your offensive line overnight, that remains to be seen. But you can get Beckham involved in the passing game in different ways. You can use Saquon Barkley a little bit differently. You can change some of your uh, coverages on the back end going into the Cowboy game. You can make those corrections, which I think they have a chance to bounce back in week two. This, this is If you're asking me, Ryan, whether I'm optimistic or concerned about what I saw on Sunday, I feel a little bit better based on what I saw um, than maybe I should, just given how talented that Jaguars defense is. Correct. I, if I, you ask me, Ry, are you more optimistic or pessimistic after that game? I'd say I'm more optimistic and well, I'm a pessimist by nature. So that's probably earth shattering if you know me. But um, I thought the pass rush did a good job. We haven't mentioned that at all. I, I don't Without know, Olivier Vernon. Yeah, I thought I don't know how many sacks they have. I don't have, have it in front of me. I know they probably only got uh, they one. had one. It was yeah. Kareem Martin and Kerry Wing combined for one in the first half. But but again, just like Manning only was sacked twice, the Giants were at Bortles feet quite a bit. They were, you know, a split second late or he got the ball off just a split second early. I mean, he uh, they were they were not they were at his feet. And I thought Kareem Martin did a really nice job. I thought Lorenzo Carter did a really nice job. Uh, I thought Dalvin Tomlinson did a good job. Guys, guys who the Giants are going to count on, especially if Olivier Vernon is going to be out longer than one game, which I think we both suspect. Yeah, the fact that Olivier Vernon was not even outside for any of the practices, not doing any side work with the trainers, not riding the exercise bike, that's ominous for him moving forward because high ankle sprains tend to linger as it is. But if you're not even out there walking around on a walking boot, if you're not even out there uh, doing light jogging or any sort of work with the trainer, I I think that's a concern for this team. But you saw on Sunday afternoon, and granted, they're going to face a much better offensive line on Sunday against the Cowboys 
than they faced against the Jaguars. But you have to feel pretty good that Connor Barwin gave you quality snaps. Lorenzo Carter was able to step in. I thought that Snacks Harrison played pretty well. I thought that he did a nice job getting into the backfield throughout the course of the day. He wound up with uh, six tackles, one tackle for loss. So, I mean, you, you got what you needed out of your front seven without their best player and arguably one of their two or three best defenders. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned <clears throat> Vernon's injury just to update Gallman. Uh, I talked to him after the game in the locker room. He said just being safe with everything. Uh, he, he expects to play next week. Uh, he said, uh, with Stewart behind him, there was basically no need to rush him back onto the field, you know, Barkley Stewart. So, uh, he thinks he'll be ready to go. I thought he was walking with a slight limp, but reporters always look into that kind of thing. So I'm sure everybody walks with a slight limp after playing a football game. So, Ryan, we started this podcast with our one big picture takeaway. Uh, what's the one thing that you think can be corrected by the Giants going into Sunday afternoon? Uh, Sunday night, rather. I don't think it's right tackle. I don't think you can correct that. Like I said, like I went off ranted about earlier, I think the time to correct that has passed. Um, I think the Barkley thing is probably the most correctable. Get him the ball, you know, as a pass receiver. I think that's probably the most uh, correctable thing. I mean, if you take away that 68 yard run, Saquon Barkley's debut does not look good. And I don't think that's because of Saquon Barkley. I think the Giants haven't had much push offensive line wise all preseason either as a as a offensive line. They were better in the preseason as a pass blocking offensive line than a run blocking offensive line. So I think getting Barkley the ball in better way in other ways is probably the most correctable because. Uh, you need him to you need him to make a bigger impact than whatever he had prior to that 68 yard run. And let's be clear about something. That's a little bit of what Saquon Barkley is. Correct. You and I have both seen tons yes. of him. He is yep. not a push the pile Leonard Fournette five yards every time he touches the ball. Saquon Barkley is going to average five or six yards per carry this season, whatever it is, four and a half, five yards, because he's going to go two, negative one, negative one. 75, 15, 75. That's just, that's who he is. That's not a fluke. And it, and it's going to come in chunks like it did. I remember a game against Northwestern last year where he was bottled up for something like 16 yards through three quarters. And he rattled off a run and wound up with 110 and two touchdowns. That That's just what he is. He's he's a home run threat. And, you know, you pointed it out. It's going to be short runs, short runs, short runs, big play. And the way that you can maximize and improve on those big plays is getting him the football in space in the passing game, particularly when teams start to stack the box or you're playing a run defense that's as solid as the Jaguars is, um, you're going to need to get in the ball in the passing game. And I think that you're you're right on there, Ryan, that that's something that needs to be fixed and probably can be fixed. Mine's a little bit bigger picture in terms of what can be fixed. I think it's the play calling in general. You think about the goal line opportunity with the end around play to uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in the first half that got swallowed up for a loss. Uh, th- th- that's a play that I think Pat Shermer would like back. You have the play call on fourth down, fourth and two at midfield. Uh, Your offensive line isn't getting any push whatsoever the entire game. And rather than throw the ball, rather than throw a swing pass to Barkley or a dump off to Ingram, you run the ball up the middle for a loss. And then you had the moment at the start of the second half where you didn't get the play in time. So you had to burn a timeout or you could have taken a five yard uh, delay a game penalty. It's probably the smart thing to do. 
they said it was because Eli Han- Manning's helmet malfunctioned. So yeah. I get I get then why the play wasn't in if there was a malfunction. I don't really understand why he didn't get the play coming off the sideline. Like why they still had to call in the play in the huddle. Like he's coming off the sideline. Give it to him then. And I don't really and like you said, take the five yard penalty. It didn't come back to haunt the Giants because of Kalen Clay's fumble with forty five seconds left on the punt. But if the Giants had if Kalen Clay had caught that punt. Yep. And the Giants had had the timeout back. They would have been getting the ball back at the 21 yard line. No timeouts, but a minute 30 or a minute 25 on the clock instead of 45 seconds that people wouldn't have been heading for the exits. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that these are all correctable things. And this is the first time that Pat Shermer has called plays since he was the head coach with the Cleveland Browns uh, as the head coach. Sure. He called plays last year as the offensive coordinator, but I think he'll do a lot of soul searching this week. And I think that he'll have a better game and that's going to lead to a better performance by the offense. In my opinion, it's also going to help by the fact that you're not playing the Jaguars defense again in week two. Ryan, any uh, parting shots? No, I don't have anything this week. Uh, right. uh, I'll try to have some. I'll try to have some later in the week. Sounds good. Uh, my, my thought is that the Giants should take comfort in the fact that the big playability is still there for this offense. Everything we talked about is still there. It just might take time for the offensive line to come together if it comes together at all. That's the biggest of big picture takeaways I think that you can grab from Sunday's game. Uh, Ryan, we'll be back later in the week to preview the Cowboys game. In the meantime, make sure you check us out, nj.com slash Giants. We're going to have you loaded up with content all week. Follow Ryan on Twitter at R.Y. Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo and NFL. Ryan, this was fun. We'll talk to you Friday. Sounds good. I look forward to it.